This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's the preview show. It's the No Nay Never podcast. Hello and welcome to the preview show brought to you by the Known and Never podcast. I'm your host Natalie Bromley but joining me for the final preview show of the 2020-2021 season is the main man himself, the headliner of the preview show, Dave Statman-Roberts. Dave, welcome, welcome. Hello Natalie, yes, last uh, last preview of the season. It's been last a, a strange old, long old season hasn't it? Mm. It really has, and we're slightly in party mode, I think, today, because it's... Well, I always feel I feel, feel a bit party mode when we get to the last podcasts of the season, uh, mainly because we're looking forward to a nice long summer where we don't have to do anything. Um, but also, I do feel a little bit of sadness that it comes to an end and our little routine's over, and obviously we all take a break over the summer. But um, but we got there, Dave. Um, a season during a pandemic, a season during lockdown, a season without fans in the stadium apart from that one game, and... We've made it. We've we've made survival, and we've made um, you know we've got to a, pre- a pre-season to start another season in the Premier League. So all good. So basically, on that theme, I've got to ask you the most important question of all: How did it feel to be in the ground on Wednesday night? Um, it was unusual. Uh, the the process to queue to get in and all the checks that were going on. And to be fair, the club handled that really well. I yeah, thought that did. was kind of. Uh, Really well handled, you know. They were handing out the the packs for for people as well. I thought that was really well done. Admittedly, with with small numbers, you 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 think how's that going to work when it's scaled up with that level of um, scrutiny? I'm not too sure, but it's obviously been a test event for them. Um, they've been able to learn something from that, hopefully. And then, obviously, once into the ground, into your seat, and the, you know the players coming out, and it it, it was unusual. It was, I, I thought it was a little bit like um, at times. A bit like a, an early rounds um, League Cup game. Obviously, in terms of the numbers, it's probably not too dissimilar to, yeah. to what we've had maybe 10 years ago. Um, but there were times when the crowd did really get up for it and other times when it was a little bit flat. But I guess that's to be expected with only 3,500 in there. But grateful to, to be there, really. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting that you say that, actually, because I had completely the opposite feeling. I was, and this is perhaps not a great surprise for people who know me, but I was just 
like childlike giddy all the way through, like from getting in there. Um, it didn't feel, I didn't get a feeling of flatness at any point, but I wonder whether that's dependent on where we were sat because where I was sat, there were a lot of people around me vocal all the way through the game. Um, that moment when the team came out from under the tunnel and, and everybody, that was the first time we heard any crowd noise and everybody got on their feet. I literally got goosebumps all over me. It was just amazing. And I think that triggered people doing. But obviously, I thought during the game that there was like decent songs being sung. And um, I, I did wonder whether there would be a slight feeling of, of self-consciousness because it is always a little bit more awkward to chant and sing at football games when there's nobody else. You know, you're not doing it on mass, isn't you? But uh, I, I just wonder whether that felt like a slightly different experience depending on where you were sat. Um but well, the, the game itself, obviously being there, um, I thought the game itself was a, was a, irrespective of the result, Dave, was a, a cracking performance from our boys. Yeah, I thought we did really well the first half, uh, really resolute defensively, and then just a shame to concede when we did. And then when the second goal went in early in the second half, you thought, well, yeah, it's going to be a, a long way back from uh, from from that. I mean, we did have chances. Chris Wood had a, a really good chance. I think he just yeah. kind of sliced it slightly, didn't he? And uh, Dwight had a good chance as well in the first half. So we did we did have those chances and then um yeah in, in the end Liverpool I think were, were deserved winners I don't think we can complain about the uh, the result in the end yeah we can I'd like to complain about it I did quite like the fact that Liverpool got booed all the time and in the wake of the ESL nonsense I would be quite happy if all six of those clubs at every single game all of next season get booed relentlessly um that would be nice so if we could keep that up that would be great um yeah, I think I think for me it, it just it just felt like the team had been lifted a little bit having the fans there. Um, I agree with all all that you said there. I think it was absolutely the right decision to play four five one. Um, I think that you know the the, the five five lads in def, in defence in midfield uh, managed to keep that their midfield relatively quiet. I think probably Liverpool's midfield midfield mid <laughs> midfield their midfield was probably their weakest bit, I think. I didn't think that I thought we we nullified that very well. Um it's just when you go four five one you're gonna really struggle to try and, and convert those chances. But it was yeah, it was a good performance. I was really pleased with it. Um disappointing to lose two out of the two games that we've played post Fulham. Um, I do hope we win against Sheffield United. Um, if more than anything, I'd quite like to not finish seventeenth, um, which I appreciate sounds a little bit of a bit of a cheek, given that I've been saying all season that I'd happily finish seventeenth. But of course, that was mainly just so we survived. But now we've done it, I would quite like to finish not seventeenth. Um, albeit, Dave, as you and I said before we started recording, even though it's seventeenth, to be eleven potentially eleven points clear of eighteenth is tells its own story, doesn't it? So. It could be more yeah. than that, couldn't it? It could be, yeah. It could be more than that if we win and they lose. Yeah, it's obviously yeah. going to be more than that. So it's quite a big, a big gap. So yeah, all good. We we were there. Um, listeners, I'd quite like to listen. I'd quite like to hear from those of you who were there. I've seen quite a lot of stuff on social media, but um, I'd quite be I'd be quite interested to hear some real specifics and real details of what it felt to be back on turf. And I guess what you think the club's going to do next season to try and handle the larger season ticket crowds that get in there and, you know, depending on what the landscape looks like in August. So do drop us a line and let us know. Uh, before we move on to previewing the final game of the season then, Dave, we have a quiz question that we need to give an answer to. Now, at the end of the last preview show, which was, of course, Liverpool at home, we left you with this question. Prior to the Premier League era, ooh, 
who was the last Burnley player to score a winning goal in a home league victory over Liverpool. Now, I did make a comment on that previous show that I suspected that we would need to go quite a way back in time for this one, Dave. So why don't you let our listeners know what the answer was? Yeah, well, the correct answer, if anyone's interested, was Ray Hankin. Uh, That was in a 2-1 win, and that was way back on Boxing Day 1973. And to clarify this, we were looking for our last home league win prior to the one in 2016, which we had mentioned in the uh, in that preview show. And um, Interestingly, Peter Noble, uh, Derek Scott and also Jimmy Traore with an own goal had all scored winning goals in cup victories over Liverpool at Turf Moor in the interim. But it was league games we wanted to hear about and Ray Hankin was the answer we needed. Excellent. Did we get any correct answers, Dave? I'm going to suggest that there were few and far between with this one. Yeah, I think it's fair to say we stumped quite a few of you, uh, including some of our quiz regulars. But there had been a huge clue earlier in the show uh, when we did that last preview, um, because it's the same match that was featured in Jan's Matchday Memory. And Ah. he didn't mention the name of the the player, Ray Hankin. Anyway, the only correct answers we had were from uh, It's a Walsh Thing on Twitter and also John Robertson. It is. And can we please give a shout out to... One regular quizzer who didn't quite get... Well, he did get the answer there, but had a few goals of getting it, who you won't let us... You won't let you won't give him credit for the correct answer, but can we give him a shout-out anyway, Dave? Cause it's uh, for Adrian Cates. Adrian Cates yeah. had, uh, had a guess and then had a second guess and guess two. So, yeah, if you say I'm being strict and not allowing that... I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm Third attempt, probably <laughs> pushing it a little far, Adrian, but... Adrian is a fan of the show and does contribute regularly, so I did want to give him a shout-out. And also, Adrian, thank you very much for your email that you did send in to us this week. Um, We haven't forgotten about it. We've just been a little bit tied up in answering correspondence this week, so we will reply to you. But, uh, yeah, Adrian did drop us an email this week, which you do need to reply to. Uh, So, if you listen to this, Adrian, we have not forgotten you. We will be in touch. Um, So what's happening now, Dave? Are we going to have a quiz question this week? Are we not? What's, What's the crack here? Uh, well, this is the 38th and final preview show of the season. We've previewed uh, every Premier League game uh, during the season. Uh, but we didn't want to leave our listeners in suspense over the summer. So, sadly, we don't have a quiz question for you this time. Um, but there may be some news soon on a quiz-related project we're hoping to get off the ground during the summer. So, Ooh. stay tuned over the summer for that. You little tease, Dave. You little tease. <laughs> Opposition Stats. Okay, well, let's move on to previewing the game because that is why we are, of course, here. Um, It is the final game of the Premier League season. It is Sheffield United away, Sunday the 23rd of May at 4pm kickoff, which is live on BT Sport 3. BT Sport 3, is that a thing, Dave? Well, it is, yeah. I mean, the, the, all the games are covered. They're all kicking off at the same time, so they've got to spread them across the uh, the channels. I think Sky have got more than BT have got. Um, but, yeah, we've been relegated. BT have got three games, and we are on BT Sport 3. So I guess that tells you what the uh, priority amongst the um, uh, the broadcasters is. But perhaps it's not a huge surprise. Uh, with a relegated team against a team that's safe, it's pretty much safe to say that it's a you know, perfect definition of a, a dead rubber, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't have any problems with that. I, I don't think anybody outside of Sheffield or Burnley will be tuning into that game. So we get to watch it. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. Um, why don't you kick us off then, Dave, um, with a uh, recent history of this fixture, please, and tell us all about the opposition. 
Yeah, well, in terms of all-time away trips to play Sheffield United, Burnley have only won six times in 61 attempts. But our threshold for defining recent history in this section throughout the season has been games played since Burnley's Wembley playoff final victory in 2009, which was, of course, against Sunday's opponents, Sheffield United. Uh, Burnley have only played twice at Bramall Lane since our first promotion to the Premier League. Uh, That was once in the 2010-11 season, That's after we'd returned back to the Championship after just one season back in the top flight. Uh, And then again, we played there uh, last season as well. Uh, With one draw and one defeat, we certainly won't be spoiling the surprise for our highlight section by giving you details of these two most recent results. Uh, The match in October 2010 was a thriller. After a goalless first half, Burnley went into a two-goal lead. That was thanks to goals from Dean Marnie and Chris Eagles. Uh, before Daniel Bogdanovic pulled one back. Uh, and with just 10 minutes to play, a rare goal from Blades defender Matt Lowton leveled the scores at 2-2. Before Jay Rodriguez scored what most people thought was a 90th-minute winner. But there was still time for Mark Yates to net an equaliser past Brian Jensen to make it 3-3. Uh, the corresponding fixture from last season was rather more one-sided, as clinical finishing from a rampant and confident Blade side earned them a 3-0 win, in what was another disappointing trip over to South Yorkshire for the travelling Clarets fans. Good stuff, good stuff. Highlights and lowlights. Well, we've got highlights and we've got lowlights of this fixture, obviously. Um, you've decided this week to go with a lowlight first in reverse order. What's this all about? Right, well, for our low light, we're going back to when Stan Turner was Burnley manager in the early days of Burnley's time back in the Championship when it was still being referred to as Division 1 before it had even become the Championship. Um, after a 2-0 defeat at Bramall Lane in April 2001, which all but ended Burnley's chances of making it to the end-of-season playoffs, we returned to Bramall Lane again almost a year later, in March 2002. Uh, Burnley had had a magnificent first half of the season and we were still top of the table at the end of December but the wheels have started to come off since the new year and not even the signing of Paul Gascoigne could halt the decline. The 3-0 defeat at Bramall Lane was yet another disappointment. Two goals from 19-year-old Phil Jagielka who back then was playing as a striker and another for Laurent Jaffo sealed the victory for the hosts. Unfortunately, Gazza was a shadow of his former self and Burnley looked devoid of ideas for most of the game, with another loanee, David Johnson, being perhaps the only bright spot. Uh, After this, Burnley's patchy form continued, and inexplicably we failed to even make it to the playoffs after being in the box seat halfway through the campaign. Mm, That is a low light. Cheer us up, Dave. Give us a highlight. Yeah, well, our last win at Bramall Lane is our highlight for this last preview show of the season, and for that we have to go back to December 2008. Uh, Prior to this match, we just discovered that Burnley would face Spurs in the Carling Cup semi-final over two legs, following a sensational midweek win against Arsenal in the quarter-final at Turf Moor. Uh, Back to the Blades game, though, and Martin Patterson gave Burnley the lead in the first half, before the two teams traded penalties, with James Beattie equalising before the ever-dependable Graham Alexander put Burnley back ahead from the spot before the break. Uh, Chris Eagle's goal in the second half extended Burnley's lead before Stephen Quinn narrowed the gap near the end, but Burnley hung on for a 3-2 win. Uh, This was the first of three victories over the Blades that season. The other two were by a 1-0 scoreline, with Martin Patterson netting the only goal in a 1-0 win at Turf Moor in April, followed by Wade Elliott's wonder strike at Wembley at the end of the following month. God, that 
period in our history, Dave, feels like both a lifetime ago and yesterday all at the same time, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it's, it's just, what, 12, 12 years, isn't it? It now? does, but it was such, mm. like, that whole time that started the new era of Burnley between, get, you know, because even though we did go down for a couple of seasons, that, that 2009 promotion was, you know, was our first, you know, top flight football and, you know, it started with, you know, losing him and then getting, um, what's he called? Um, what's he called? Who left? Brian Eddie, No, um, Eddie Howe. Uh, I, I have a problem. I always, whenever managers leave us, I tend to like leave them, leave my memory. <laughs> I commit them to the to the memory banks that are never to be recovered. Um, and then obviously getting Daesh and stuff. But it, but it also, you know, it's the start of our current new era. Is all of that time? It just it just feels like it was only yesterday, but also a lifetime ago. Heroes and villains. Um, my favourite section then for the last time this season, Dave, is of course the heroes and villains. I have no idea who you've picked here because I tend to not look at the script because I like to be surprised. Who have you picked for our hero? Right, well, when we preview matches, we usually take into account previous games, either at home or away, so the rare occasions that teams meet at neutral venues are usually overlooked. Uh, Bearing in mind we don't have a wide choice of potential heroes from past matches played against Sheffield United at Bramall Lane, and with just four wins there in 34 visits since the Second World War, we're going to bend the rules just slightly so that we can include a match between the two teams which was played on a hot sunny day in May 2009 at the new Wembley Stadium. Uh, The start of Burnley's Premier League journey can be pinpointed to a memorable goal by this week's hero. Wade Elliott, whose careful fresh shot into the top corner of the net, gave Blades goalkeeper Paddy Kenny no chance. Despite putting Burnley ahead in just the 13th minute, this was enough to ensure a 1-0 win and provide Burnley fans with a first taste of top-flight football since 1976. I hope that you'll allow us the extra leeway we've taken to ensure that Wembley hero and club legend Wade Elliott can be our hero for this episode. Definitely, definitely. Um, I don't want to say it because I, I would quite like to end on that one. We should maybe swap these around because that's a nice feeling. But go on, who have you picked as our villain? Well, it links in. So going back to that playoff final briefly, uh, two Sheffield United players were sent off. Uh, substitute Jamie Ward received two yellow cards for two deliberate handballs within five minutes, and he uh, got his marching orders from uh, Mike Dean. And another substitute, Lee Hendry, was shown a straight red card after the final whistle for something he said to Mike Dean. Um, But this week's villain is the only Sheffield United player, to my knowledge, who's been sent off in a match between the Blades and Burnley at Bramall Lane. Uh, The match was an FA Cup third round tie in January 1993. Uh, And the player in question, and our villain this week, is Adrian Littlejohn, who, after being fouled by Adrian Heath, who clearly pulled him back, decided to lash out. There could be no complaints about Little John's dismissal for violent conduct, although quite why Adrian Heath followed him down the tunnel remains somewhat of a mystery. So for a red mist that led to his own red card, but also the dismissal of an opponent, Adrian Little John is our villain this week. I still to this day cannot hear the words um, Adrian Heath without in my head chanting Adrian Heath's Claret and Blarmy and putting real emphasis on Heath. It's just, it's a song that's just... Yeah, can never do it to this day. Uh, Finally then, Dave, who's our referee for the game? Who's going to be our man in the middle? Uh, We've got Kevin Friend of Leicester. He's going to be in charge of our last match of the Premier League season at Bramall Lane. Uh, He's been in the middle for two matches at Turf Moor this season, uh, as well as our home win over Crystal Palace in November. He refereed our defeat at the hands of Manchester United in January. Um, He had the whistle 
for um, also the third game, other game he's been in charge of this season, uh, was our 4-0 away defeat to Spurs at the end of February. Um, He's been around for quite a while and he will celebrate his 50th birthday in July. He first took charge of a Burnley match against West Ham at the end of the 2004-05 season. And in his 27 previous games involving Burnley, uh, we've won nine, drawn five and lost 13. Uh, Our only Premier League away win with Kevin Friend as referee was the 2-0 victory at already relegated Norwich City towards the end of last season, in which he reduced the home side to nine men during the first half. Um, Video assistant referee down at Stockley Park will be Lee Mason. Uh, It was announced earlier this week that Lee Mason was to retire from on-field activities at the end of the season, and he refereed his final match at Old Trafford on Tuesday evening for Man United's 1-1 draw with Fulham. However, he is being kept on as a full-time video assistant referee from next season. Uh, It's it's quite an interesting thing now for referees, isn't it? Because with the introduction of VAR, the end of their on-field career is not necessarily, you know, they've now got career options that, because unfortunately, it looks like VAR's here to stay, but good stuff. Statman Dave's Stat of the Week. Well, I don't know what we're going to do here, Dave, because normally at this part of the season, we invite you to treat our listeners to a bonus stat of the week, because we know you like to treat them. Are you going to keep that trend for the final podcast of the season? Of course, yes. Now, go on. We do have a stat of the week. We, we couldn't leave without a stat of, of the week. Of course we? not. <laughs> uh, but for a change, this week's stat of the week relates to the venue for Burnley's final Premier League match of the season this Sunday. Uh, Bramall Lane is best known these days as a football ground. But for over 100 years, from 1855 to 1973, it was also a venue for cricket. Um, it's one of only two venues, the other being the Oval, to host England football internationals as well as England cricket test matches. Um, although the Oval has also hosted England rugby union matches back in the 19th century, Bramall Lane is scheduled to be a venue for England's match against Greece this autumn in the 2021 Rugby League World Cup. Uh, But this Sunday, it will once again be hosting Premier League football, although with the Blades relegation already confirmed, who knows when Bramall Lane will do so again. Yeah, that is a good stat of the week indeed. Um, So how are we feeling about the game, Dave? We don't actually have an opposition view this week, and it's probably unsurprising that our friends down the road at Sheffield United are probably a little bit fed up with this season, don't really want to participate in anything and just want to get the season over with and start again next year. So we couldn't quite get anybody on to get themselves excited to come and speak to us. Um, so it's just down to you and me, Dave. How, how are we feeling? Surely this is this is one where we feel like we can get a win. Um, on paper it is. When you look at their uh, season to date, I think they've They've actually won more games than Fulham and West Brom. They've won six, but they've only drawn two. So their points total is um, in the doldrums. And they've lost a lot of matches this season. So on paper, it should be um, a good chance for Burnley to get a, a, a win at a, a bogey ground, as we've mentioned already. It's not a, a happy hunting ground for, for Burnley over the years. But perhaps this is one where the fans will make a difference. They've, I think they're allowed to have just over 5,000 um, fans in at Bramall Lane. They'll no doubt be uh, belting out the Chip Butty song prior to uh, kick-off, getting their team up for it. And it's a chance, maybe with their last game, no pressure on to, to prove what, they've, what they're what they capable of and what they're going to do next season. So um, I think it'll be a difficult one from that point of view. I think it's, it's one where maybe if Burnley score first to get a first-half goal, 
that might put a different reflection on it. I think if Sheffield United score first, that might give them a boost, particularly with um, five thousand fans behind them on the day as well. Yeah, that's true actually. But and I always, I'm always very worried about playing relegated sides at the end of the season because it's almost like stats go out of the. But I, I, I don't really want to say that to Statman Dave because obviously this is a stat show. But it does feel a little bit sometimes like you know, all bets are off and sometimes they play with that freedom, don't they, that, that gives them um, just that extra extra mile to be able to win something. So I'm a little bit worried. But I still think we're going to win. I think we will want to finish on a high and finish up that table. So I am going to predict a 2-0 win for the Clarets, Dave, with Chris Wood and Ben Mee scoring. And I'm going to keep saying Ben Mee until Ben Mee scores with his header. Um, what is your goal uh, scoreline prediction, please, Dave? Uh, I'm going to predict a win because if you can't predict a win against a team that's yes! uh, bottom ten already relegated, when are you going to predict one? So I'm going to go for. I'm going to think it's going to be close. I'm going to go for two one. I'm going to go for. Um, I think we're going to be back to four four two. I'm going to go for Wooden Vidra. Excellent. Well, listeners, let us know what you think the score prediction is going to be. We want score scorers and how they scored. Please, left leg, right leg, header bottom we don't care but let us know what you think we're going to do and um, you can tweet us at no never or you can email us at podcast at no never.net um very quickly before we move on to the closing weeks of the fpl dave um what's our injury situation looking like and team news um, I think it's pretty much as you were. We knew already that um, uh, Robbie Brady and Kevin Long were pretty much going to be out for the season. Uh, Dale Stevens had kind of had an injury and he was he'd been ruled out. Uh, Phil Barsley, we knew already had had um, an operation on a hernia. Uh, Nick Pope was the only one that was kind of like that. You're not too sure. Obviously, he didn't play uh, the last couple of games, but the the way they're talking, it's sounding like he may well be back in for uh, for Sunday. But that's not certainly when when Sean Dyke says they touch and go, they're usually more likely to be um, not than than in. So I guess we'll have to wait and see an hour before kick off. We'll find out at three o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, great. Well, there we go. Final game of the season, listeners. Um, exciting. Good to see the back of this season, but exciting to get a summer under our belts, Euros and another Premier League campaign. So we're going to leave that on a high. Fantasy Premier League update. And then finally, Dave, second half of the show, we have the known and ever FPL update. Um, game weeks 36 and 37 have been completed. So why don't you kick us off with a league update as to how we are looking going into that final game. Ooh, it's getting exciting now. Um, as we know, there's been a heavy schedule of matches as we approach the end of this unusual Premier League season. Uh, but we do have some updates for you regarding uh, the completion of game week 36 last weekend and then the midweek matches, which comprise game week 37. Uh, so for our final preview show of the season, we're going to run down the current top five managers in the known and ever league table, who realistically are probably the only ones still in with any chance of becoming the overall winner for this season. Uh, so our top five in fifth place, we've got Gary Proctor with 2,397 points. Uh, fourth place is Chris Stanworth with 2,409. We've then got in third place, Ursay with 2,410 um, a jump up to 2,422. We've got Adam Dennett in second place. And our leader still, he's been there for a while, is Sean Danaher 
with 2,434. So he's only got a very narrow lead of just 12 points uh, ahead of second place going into the uh, last round of matches. How close is that? That is just what I wanted going into the final game of the season, to be so close. And, and obviously, of course, we've had both Adam and Sean on the previous show. It's almost like we knew this was going to happen, Dave. It's almost like we're psychic. Um, so that's going to be really good because we've got a vested interest in either one of them winning because they're both great fans of the show and they're both really superb lads who we both uh, really enjoyed having them on as guests. So um, I'm really pleased it's between them two looking like it is anyway and that they are so close. I cannot wait to see how they do it. Um, what about you and me, Dave? How's Team Nona never doing? Uh, well, those uh, for those that are still interested, my Burnley Stats team has now broken into the top 100 for the first time this season. I'm in 98th place on 2,035 points, and I'm only 25 points behind Richard Steele, who's led our podcast as mini-league within a league uh, for pretty much the entire season. Uh, Natalie, you're in 219th place, so I've gone up a few places. Good, good. Uh, on 1,612, 1, uh, so that's just over 400 points needed to catch me up before Sunday. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> um, and who's, who's? Um, I'm assuming Richard Steele's still the head of the rest of the non yeah, he's, he's topping our league. He's just 25 points ahead of me. So there's still, a I guess, an outside chance that I might have a, a really good week. And is it a bit, maybe a bit like playing um, Manchester City? They've got to have a, a terrible week and you've got to have a, a, a really good week to have any chance of beating them. So uh, that's how I'm approaching Sunday. OK, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, well, we also should have Kings of Game Weeks 36 and 37 to catch up on as well, don't we, Dave? Uh, we do, yeah. We've got two sets. We've got the ones from uh, last weekend, which was thirty-six, and the midweek, which was thirty-seven. So I'll uh, I'll read through those. Uh, we've got for th- game week thirty-six. We've got a four-five-one formation. Uh, we had Ramsdale in goal. Uh, Sheffield United goalkeeper getting in, uh, in into the team. That's uh, not happened too many times this season. Uh, our defence is uh, Mitchell, Crystal Palace, uh, Jack Robinson of Sheffield United. Uh, Cancelo of Man City, Alioski of Leeds. Uh, midfield uh, was Torres of Man City, uh, Jack Harrison of Leeds, uh, Hjoiberg of Tottenham, uh, Teller of Southampton, and uh, uh, um, sorry, Eze of Crystal Palace, who unfortunately uh, he was doing really well for me. He, uh, he got injured, so I've had to transfer him out. Um, but he got 10 points. He was in the team for game week 36. And then uh, Rodrigo of Leeds was the solo striker. And I think the highest scoring player overall for game week 36 uh, was uh, Ferran Torres. Got a, scored a hat-trick, of course. Uh, got 20 points. Uh, he's a high scorer for game week 36. And then for game week 37, so these were the midweek matches, uh, we had uh, Casilla of Leeds in goal. He was obviously swapped in and had a game uh, after Melier playing most of the season. Uh, we had in defence, we had four defenders. We had uh, Andy Robertson of Liverpool and Nat Phillips, two Liverpool defenders in there. Uh, we had Brian of Fulham and uh, Rudiger of Chelsea. Uh, we then had, again, we had five midfielders. Uh, we had Pepe of Arsenal, Willock of Newcastle, Jorginho of Chelsea, Foden of Man City and Trossard of Brighton. And um, Patrick Bamford was the uh, lone striker in that 4-5-1 formation for game week 37. It looks like the high scorers were uh, Andy Robertson and uh, Nicholas Pepe. They both had 15 points for game week 37. 
Good stuff. Um, the final section then on, on the and Not and Ever FPL is the opposition three to watch, where, Dave, you pick three players from our next opponents who are the players we need to keep an eye on based on their FPL points. Um, who have we got this week? Uh, yeah, so the players to look out for, the highest point scorers for Sheffield United throughout the entire season uh, were uh, Aaron Ramsdale. So perhaps it's a little bit surprising. They've not had the best of seasons, but their uh, goalkeeper is the highest scoring player with 114. Um, respectable score. Uh, and then we're down into just double figures for the next two. We've got David McGoldrick on 91 and John Fleck with 68. It's been a, a season to forget for Sheffield United after a, a really solid uh, season back in the Premier League last season. And they'll be looking to uh, to bounce straight back uh, next season, back in the Championship. Indeed. Well, that's it, Dave. That is um, an on and ever Fantasy Premier League season done. And it's just one game now for our two top two managers to close out that victory. Um, how how do we leave that, Dave? What what what? How do we summarise that? Uh, well, obviously, we, we, we won't have another preview show to update you on what's happened, but I think we, we do have plans to have a, an end-of-season review and may well um, roll in the uh, FPL update into that or, or possibly even have a, a separate one. We'll uh, we'll see how it goes in the last uh, game of the season and certainly, one way or another, we'll have a, a podcast uh, with details of who our overall champion is and hopefully get them on to speak to us. Yeah, definitely. We will do something. It's um, At the moment, we're just trying to find out what our end-of-season schedule looks like because we've got a final analysis show to look back on the three games post-Fulham and how the end of our season went. Like Dave says, we've got to catch up on our uh, FPL champion. Uh, we've got a, um interview coming, I think, towards the back end of next week with some of the a panel of the local journalists who are going to come on to us to take their take on the season. So we've got all sorts going on um, so stay tuned to social media and we will keep you updated as to what is coming next okay so it only leaves us now then to wrap up the end of the preview show Dave where we normally give our listeners a quiz question but um, what are we going to do about a quiz question this week uh, well we did mention earlier we rather unfairly left our listeners in suspense with a quiz question final preview show of last season. Uh, so we have decided not to set an end of season quiz question for this episode. However, if you'd like to improve your Claret's knowledge over the summer, then the biggest online repository of details from past Burnley matches can be found in the Burnley Stats match database, which has been the basis for much of the content in our preview shows throughout the season. Um, as well as past match results and goal scorers, there's now a description for over 94% of past goals, including 100% coverage of those descriptions for the last 25 seasons. Um, if you want to go and take a look, uh, the following shortcut is the best one to use. Uh, it's bit, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Burnley Stats. Um, and of course, you could try to use Google. Other search engines are available. But when all the relevant information has already been compiled into one massive Clarets database, then why bother? Exactly. Why bother? Um, but that's it then, Dave. I think that concludes our final preview show of the season, doesn't it? Do we have any other business or any community news that we need to share? Uh, well, uh, one thing I did want to include at the end with it being our last preview show of the season, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's taken the time to download and listen to this series of preview show podcasts during this unusual season. Um, in particular, it's been great to hear from everyone who's interacted with us. Uh, that's either in terms of submitting their quiz answers or just getting in touch with feedback. 
Um, we must also thank all of our special guests who've recorded with us, as well as those listeners who submitted recordings of their matchday memories. Um, we're extremely grateful to the fans of opposition teams as well, who generously provide us with their insight. Uh, finally, I just want to say a big thank you to my regular co-host, to you, Natalie, oh. for trying and mostly succeeding to keep me in order. <laughs> Uh, and also to Matt Moss, our producer, who does so much behind the scenes to keep things running. Um, we do hope to, ke- uh, to continue these previous show podcasts uh, during next season, and we'll be in discussions over the summer to see how we can keep things fresh for you for Burnley's sixth consecutive season in the Premier League. Oh, that's a lovely way to end the preview show, Dave. Thank you. It's been um, an absolute pleasure. This is our second preview show season. Um, and I love it. I just, I love the preview show. And, and as, as Dave touched on there, I do hope we can keep it going next season because I just think it's a really unusual way to build up to the game. And I just think it's great fun. And also the the Fantasy Premier League, I think has been a great addition as well. And the quiz all about it is, is just a really good show. So thanks to you, Dave, I think more than anything, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't want to keep you in check because I think think you're very very good at what you do um and i do echo that listeners if you can check out dave's stats database it's absolutely phenomenal the amount of work he puts in there and the, the just the, the sheer volume of information you've got at your fingertips so do check that out um i think the only other, the other thanks we just need to add on to that is of course Turf Moor Stadium announcer Dominic Walker for his specially recorded preview show announcements. Uh, thanks from me as well to, to producer Matt just for everything he does behind the scenes this season. It's been a very chaotic season for us this season because fixtures have been thick and fast. Most people have been in lockdown. We've not always been able to get scheduled podcasts on when we could do. Um, and I, I don't underestimate the impact that producing matters had on keeping us all together and keeping us motivated and organised and just being proactive in doing things. Um, he has definitely kept us going this season 100% and we are very, very lucky to have him. So, yeah, my thanks as ever to, to Matt um, and to Dave, obviously, who I've already mentioned. Final thanks, as always, go to you, the listener, for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. That is Natalie Bromley and Dave Roberts signing off for a season of the Known and Never preview show. Take care of yourselves. Have a fantastic summer. We will see you next season. This has been the preview show brought to you by the Known and Never podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.